song it's uh, back when we were just filled with the Holy Spirit that was one of the most popular songs maybe one of the only songs I don't know but, but God bless you guys what a wonderful morning how many of you have already just sensed God's presence he's already done something in you I um, sitting over there thinking Lord how do you follow up last Sunday what happened at, toward the end of the service and then Friday night and there's no way to follow up. I felt like the Lord said, you can't follow up. You follow me. I'll follow up. And uh, so we're just going to follow him. But Lord, just touch everyone in this room this morning, God. Just, Lord, those that are watching online, Lord, we pray, God, just for a, a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you. It's not about us. It's all about your Son. And we lift up Jesus. You said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And so we lift up the Son of God. We declare Jesus is Lord of all. Lord in this place, Lord over, Lord wherever the people are gathered. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy. Thank you for, Lord, just uh, your presence. We honor your presence. Lord, we receive that word this morning, that the fire of God is present among us. You're an all-consuming fire, God, and we honor your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Really, I want to encourage you, if you at all possibly can, next weekend, it's going to be glorious, Friday night with Chris. And if you've never been around Etienne Bloom, I'm telling you, Saturday night, you will be blessed. He's a mighty man of God. He's from South Africa. I think I told you the story. Etienne and I went to Colombia, the, the country of Colombia. And uh, anyway, we're going out to this island. It's the last day, and they want to take us to an island just to relax. And 
most beautiful place I've ever been, Cartagena. It's an amazing, it was just an amazing place. But anyway, I've, I've, you know, they, they started going really fast in the boat, and my mind was, we're going to die, because <laughs> the waves were horrible, and the boat was flipping, and I felt any moment we were going to go over. And I'm just saying, God, help us, save us, Lord, save us. I don't want to die. I want to go back home. And, uh, and then Etienne, I didn't know until after, Etienne went off into some amazing encounter with these principalities over Colombia, you know, and, uh, and they really wanted to kill us. That wasn't, a, that wasn't just my mind. But Etienne was doing battle in the heavenlies. And uh, I thank God he was doing battle in the heavenlies. Because am I just crying out, God save us? You know, I mean, that's a good prayer. But you also have, have to be engaged. And that's the kind of man Etienne Bloom is. And, and anyway, I just am excited that he was coming back. And um, that he can come back. That he can travel and be here. I think it's going to be a remarkable weekend. And uh, we'll do that from time to time. Carolina Fire weekends. Every Friday will be Carolina Fire, but then we'll have special weekends from time to time. I I want us to do something. I want you to stand again. Just repeat after me. I felt impressed to do that this, this morning. You know, we're washed by the water of the Word. And we're all in battles, and there are all things, there are things around us going on. And so, you know, we want to get washed. So just repeat after me. This is standing on the Word. Just say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings. I'm seated in the heavenly places. In Christ Jesus, old things are passed away and all things have become new. As Jesus Christ is in the world, so am I. I'm born again. I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. I am kept by the power of God Almighty through faith. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I am born again by the Word of God. I am complete in Jesus. My sins are nailed to the cross. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. I rule and reign in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is my heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is my Lord. And I'm a product of His love. I have love. I have joy. I have peace. I have long-suffering. I have goodness, kindness, meekness, faith. Mercy, I have kindness and humbleness of mind. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am strengthened in all power by the might of the Lord. My nature is divine. My weapons are mighty in God. To the tearing down of strongholds. Casting down every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I bring every thought into captivity into the obedience of His Word. 
All things are under His feet. He is the head of all things. To the church, which is His body, which includes me, the fullness of Him that fills all in all. He has disarmed all the rulers and authorities. He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them. And in His covenant and in His word and with His name, He has given me authority to tread upon all the power of the enemy. I always triumph in Jesus' name. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. And now in Jesus' name, I remove from myself and this place, from my family, all oppression, all the works of darkness, all the works of tradition, legalism, and doubt. All unbelief and heresy. All confusion and distraction. I am strengthened in all power by the might of the Lord. I break every curse and I remove every stronghold in the name of Jesus. And I receive the finished works of Calvary. And I thank you that he watches over his word to perform it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, it's important just to, we used to do that from time to time, and we need to do it again. How many of you know you need to be washed at least once a day? Many times a day by the water of the word. How many of you were here Friday night? It was a very powerful time, and uh, the worship, and worshipers, and, and uh, Stephen's word was very timely. How many of you remember the four judgments that he saw that were, maybe there were five, there were five, see I already forgot one, <clears throat> no, I combined one, but there are five, okay. Number one was against what? Hollywood. And it was important that he released that word here. And then the education system, right? And then false religion. And uh, Wall Street. The pharmaceutical industry. And, and what was the other one? Just religion. Yes. But anyway, it was a powerful word. And I thank God that he released that word here. It was no accident. You know, there's a scripture in Isaiah 66. It says, The hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants and his indignation to his enemies. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Uh, the rest of that scripture says, For the Lord will come with fire, and by fire, for by fire and the sword, the Lord will judge all flesh. That's Psalm 66, verse 14 through 16. You know, regardless of what the religious system says, the God of the Bible is still the God of today. He's still the same God. He hadn't changed. And um, we want to know who He is and we want to be confident. Now, here's the closing word that Stephen had. He said, I see fire. 
And that's what we, we heard today. It's what we heard last week. He said, I see fire that is manifesting around this stage. Every time you pray together, the wall of fire will rise up in this place as he has promised. And uh, that he's, he's promised it. Every time you get together, the fire of God will come and manifest. He said, Un- unlike other churches, your church has been called by God to become a gate stopper. And he explained that. He said, you have to stop the works of evil from manifesting. In other words, we have to be who he's called us to be, those people that, um, whom the gates of hell will not prevail. You know, we have the authority to close those gates. Whatever you bind on earth is bound, already been bound in heaven. And anyway, he was just reminding us of that. He said, you will feel the fight. How many of you feel the fight sometimes? You'll feel the heat. But that just makes you the army of God. He said, hallelujah, glorify your name. He mentioned other things. He confirmed again, I believe, that we were to be a school of prayer. And it's happening. How many of you know it's happening? And we thank God for what he's doing. He also said that he would give us a big trumpet. And we were to blow that trumpet. So we're going to do that in this hour. And we're going to cover one another encourage one another you know you got to encourage one another how many of you need encouragement at least every day i want to thank god for those of you that are praying also for the uganda revival I'm, we keep hearing reports and uh, they just you know i can't share all of them with you it almost you know it sounds like you know you're boasting or anything but we're going to boast in the lord so we need to share from time to time but anyway, I'm just so grateful. But I was just writing down some things this week. It really does sound like a genuine move of the Holy Spirit that God is, he's, he's decided to take Uganda by storm. And uh, so we're just so glad that we can be a part of it. But it doesn't mean that we're anything. It just means we were available. You know, God can use whoever. He can use donkeys. But they seem to be a people. You know that word I shared with you last week from Benny Hinn, that prophecy. He said, I see Uganda in 2022, a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. Well, evidently, there were some that grabbed hold of that word. They believed the word, and now they're walking in it. And I believe that they've been prepared. You know, hardship, and that's where they've been. They've been on that ship called hardship. Hardship has a way of preparing you for the greater purposes that God wants to bring you into, even though it's hard to board that ship. And, uh, but anyway, we're grateful. I was thinking about the scripture this week, Romans. It is not he who wills or he who runs, but God who shows mercy. And it's not how great again that we are, but it's the greatness of God. But we got to shout what God is doing. How many of you know the, the nations need to hear what God is up to? 24 hours a day, they can turn on the news and they can find what the devil is doing. But we have a God that reigns and we've got to declare it. We've got to shout it. We got to shout it. You know, Alan Smith, he had me on this podcast. Did any of you see that? It was really, we sent it out. Anyway, it's just amazing. God's getting the word out there. But Alan told me, he said when he was leaving last Friday night, you know, he would, okay, Stephen was here Friday, the Friday before. Alan was here. 
He said when he was driving up the road, he had to dodge some people that were in the road, walking down the road. And then when he turned back around, there were no people. He said what he believed the Lord was showing him is that all the people that will be coming and will be parked along the roads, and you're going to have to be careful when you drive out of here. So anyway, uh, you know, Alan is a prophetic voice, an apostolic. No, he's a farmer. That's what he is. But anyway, we appreciate all those that have come and they're speaking into us. I, I've told people before, you know, if I wasn't a pastor here, I'd want to go to this church because of all the people that come. If I spoke every Sunday, it, you know, woe is us. And, uh, but anyway, I thank God for his speech. It doesn't matter who, who speaks the word. But any, you know, the, the move of God that's begun in Uganda that we're a part of. I had some words, and they all start with H. I just want to remind us. Because I want it to continue. I want it to go on way beyond. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. Every revival that I look at in history, it seems like the enemy came along in some way and, you know, stopped it. Men grabbed hold of it. You know, somebody tried to control it, whatever. But number one, we want to stay humble. Stay humble. Stay humble. And uh, you don't let pride. Number two, stay holy. That means set apart. It's not boasting in our own holiness, some degree that we've arrived at, but set apart for the purposes of God. Number three, stay hungry. Stay hungry. You know, it's not about ministry. If you've come looking for ministry, you might find it. But if you've come looking for Him, you'll find Him. And ministry will come when you find Him. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then number four, stay honest. In other words, keep that lifestyle of repentance. I mean, if you know you need to stay repenting, there's that lifestyle. And then stay wholly his. You know, I think the bottom line is just keep saying what we said this morning. Yes. Yes, Lord, here am I, send me. But there's something else that God wants to shout among the nations. And I want you to go with me to Joel and uh, chapter 3. And I debated. I'm just going to be honest with you. I debated. Anybody ever debated with the Lord? You know, and then I was a part of a prayer call on Thursday. And uh, there's a lady, an intercessor that I've learned to, this lady hears from the Lord. She's from, from the UK and I, I had a, just a thought in my mind before the call that this lady was going to be on and whatever she had to say, I needed to pay attention. And anyway, she read from the scripture. So I paid attention. And I'm just going to deliver what God has given me. And I know that many of us, how many of you feel like you've been in battles? You've been in battles. Well, that's, that's just par for the course. You know, it's going to be from here on out. As I've shared with you many times, I remember Milton Green, one of my mentors, he would say, the church has been in a war that it hadn't shown up for. And that's not going to be the case in this hour. It cannot be the case. And we're not going to be there. But anyway, look in this, beginning with uh, verse 9, Joel chapter 3, verse 9, and then we'll pray and then get into the Word. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. 
and let them come up. Beat their plowshares into swords and their pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say what? I am strong. Assemble and come, all you nations, and gather together all around. Cause your mighty ones, say mighty ones, to go down there, O Lord. Let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is what? Ripe. Come, go down, for the wine press is full, the vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon will grow dark, the stars will diminish their brightness. The Lord also will roar from Zion, say roar, and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake. But the Lord, now I like this verse, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people. How many of you like that too? And the strength of the children of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And Lord, we just thank you for your word. And God, we thank you. Your word is timely. And we just, God, we say yes and we pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, we're willing to blow the trumpet, but we thank you, God, that we're your people. And there's a refuge, and there's a shelter, and there's always hope in Christ Jesus, and we give you glory. In his name we pray, amen. Well, now this is a serious subject. Say serious. But God is serious. Life is serious. It's also a lot of fun. Especially if you're following the King of Glory. And so that's what we're going to talk about. I want us to have, I believe, a foundation. But just, I'm not going to really focus on Joel chapter 3. Just reading it is enough. <laughs> you know, that, was, that goes back to the days of Milton Green. I would share with you. He'd just read the Word. And the anointing would be upon the word. And you would sit out there and tremble and shake. At least I did. Because the word was, it was the day the word was coming alive to me. But there was an anointing. And there should always be an anointing. Who was it that said when the word of God speaks, God speaks. And you know we should preach as of the oracles of God. They're not the words of mere men. You should preach as if it's the word of the living God. And then just let the word, let it bear the fruit that God has intended. But just to sum up that chapter, that portion, number one, prepare for war. I quickly this morning, I didn't have time to listen. I don't like to listen to too much on a Sunday morning. I'm just worshiping. And, but anyway, Chuck Pierce showed up on my, you know how sometimes things just show up on your computer. So anyway, I just listened to like two minutes of Chuck Pierce, and he was getting the word about how kings go out to war in the spring of the year. And he was speaking of this year, and he was talking about passivity and how the church can no longer be passive. I think that's what the prayer, the training, it's part of what the training, victorious warriors. But we can't be passive. You know, the enemy won't flee by just 
you just showing up. You have to... Now, Jesus, when Jesus shows up in you, now that makes the world, that's totally different, and that's who he is in us. So there is a degree of truth in that, but you resist the devil. You draw near to God and resist. And so there is a a measure of truth, but you have to stand on the Word of God, right? You stand on the Word, not on your own personality, your own presence, thank God. You stand on His presence and on the Word of God. And then the next thing is wake up the mighty men. That's in verse 9. Mighty men and mighty women. Thank God for the mighty women. You know where the men won't rise, God has raised up women, but He's raising both. Mighty men and mighty women. We need Deborahs as well as the Joshuas and all, but wake them up. Let the weak say, in verse 10, let the weak say, I am strong. Sometimes you have to confess your weakness. I'm confessing my weakness a whole lot in these days. Tell me about you. you. You boast in your weakness. Why? So that the power of Christ will rest upon you. But you don't want to just live there all the time. You want to also let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and you want to say, I am strong. You boast, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that's that's a level of maturity. We want to walk in that. And then in verse 13, let the nations be awakened. Do you think God has the ability to wake up nations? Now some nations, it seems a little harder than others. But God reminds them in verse 13 and others that he's the judge of the nations. So he can get the the attention of the nations. And then it's harvest time. And we remember, through just being around those that that were around, that the harvest speaks of a twofold harvest, right? It's, It's a harvest of all that is sown, both good and evil, right? And being around, you know, Rick Joyner and those, we've been reminded of that. It's one of the things. It's in our DNA. We know... That whatever a man or a nation sows, that man or a nation is going to reap. That's the principle of Scripture. But it's not always just evil. You sow the word, you're going to reap the benefit of that. The promises of God, right? So it's sowing and reaping that which is both good and evil. And then multitudes are right now in the valley of decision. Many have already made up their mind. And it grieves us. And there seems to be a a hardness and a determination that they're going to be their own God and they're going to make their own way. But how many of you know that eventually they're going to come to a dead end? Because man at war with God, that's not going to work out well when it's all said and done. And uh, But many, you know, it says the wicked will be wicked still. And I see some that they've, they've determined they're going to have their way. But let the righteous be righteous still. And so I believe that righteousness is greater than wickedness. How many of you would agree? And, uh, but we want to cast our vote on the side of righteousness. And then the Lord will zo- uh, roar from Zion. Uh, verse 16, you know, he came as a lamb... A sacrificial lamb. He laid down his life. How many of you know that's not the way he's returning? He's coming as a lion with a roar. The lion of the tribe of Judah. And it's his word that's being, you know, that's part of that trumpet. 
that we're to sound in this hour. That's what Stephen said. That you guys have a trumpet to prepare the way, the coming of the Lord. Now, the Lord will be a shelter. We talked about that in verse 16. How many of you say, thank God he is a refuge. He's my refuge and my strength. And we've said this before, but in case somebody's listening and you want to get to Moravian Falls, because people say this is a place of refuge. And you remember, I asked the Lord about that. Because I've met other people, they'll come along and they'll say, no, wait a minute, where I live is a place of refuge. And then others, they would come from Idaho. They say, no, Idaho is a place of refuge. Montana, and all these places. And I asked the Lord, Lord, why is there so many places of refuge? And I felt like he said, anywhere my people make me their refuge, they're living in a place of refuge. I am your refuge and strength. And then the chapter, or at least in that portion of Scripture, talks about how the nations will know that he is the Lord. He is Lord. And he's going to be known as God. There's only one God. Let there be no other gods before you. Now we've already, you know, there are always, you know, those who would want to substitute as who he is. But we've made that choice. There's only one God. But eventually the whole world's going to have to make that choice. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It's going to happen. Now, last week, yes, last week. You ever get the weeks mixed up? Weeks fly by now like days. It'll be next Sunday before I'm even finished with this Sunday. I'm just, maybe it's because you know you're getting up and I don't know. They say, whatever, I'm not going to go there. But in Romans chapter 10, it says how beautiful are the feet of those, you know, that bring glad tidings. And remember we talked about, that's not talking about your, your literal, your feet. Because I don't know about you, my feet are not that lovely. But what it speaks of is those who are sent with the word of the Lord, wherever you go, your feet that bring you there, you're timely, you're seasonable, you will be in your prime, and you will be blooming, blossoming. You'll be bearing much fruit. And that's the gospel. Now, and all of this is to lead up to where we're going. But the gospel, number one, offers hope for the future, right? We always, as long as we have breath, we have hope. They're not going to take faith, hope, and love. They're not going to take it from us. They may, they may threaten it. And there are times when hope is deferred. You know, your heart gets sick, the Bible says, when hope is deferred. But then... Your hope is like an anchor in your soul. Your hope is, is holding you in place. It's not hope in men, not hope in what you can do. It's hope in your God, in His Word that is everlasting. But hope is eternal. There is a future, an eternal hope. It doesn't end here and now. It goes for all of eternity, right? And then secondly, the gospel is what completely deals with our past. You know, the only way you can rid yourself of your past is by going to the cross. The blood of Jesus cleanses us, right? 
And you keep going back. Our sins can be tossed as far as the east is from the west. You don't want to go into eternity carrying a bag load of sin. Your, your load of sin. You want to lay your burden down. Lay it down. And the only place I know is at the cross. And you can leave it there. How I many of you know that? It's all true. And then the gospel gives hope for today. It's not just about tomorrow. Thank God it's about tomorrow. It is, yes, yesterday's covered, and that's the foundation. But I want to know the one who is and who was but, and who is to come, but the God who is as well, right? We live and we move and we have our being in Him. Now, even to the casual observer, they call them in the world the low-information voters. Even to the low-information guys, they wanna, don't want to hear anything. They can hear the drumbeats of war in this hour. Because if they're not paying attention, then somebody they run into at the water fountain will share with them what they've heard. And so there's a, there's a cry, there's a sound going on, they're the drumbeats of war. I, I heard, I don't put a lot of stock on what any of these guys say, because a lot of these guys told me stuff in the last two years that I found was the opposite of what they said, total opposite, but anyway, for the sake of, because it is out there, the UN Secretary General, and he has said some things that he probably shouldn't have said about what we've been going through that they deleted when it started getting out there. You figure. But anyway, so maybe he, he may be a knowledgeable man. But the UN Secretary General said nuclear war with Russia is within the realm of possibility. There are others that have said much more than the realm of possibility. The Pope warned. And I definitely do not believe everything anyone would say. But he said that and because this is true, conflict in Ukraine could lead to, here's what he said, a final catastrophe that would extinguish the human race. And when you understand the principles of war, that's true. Now this is what I, I know, is that the Pew Research Poll, I don't know if that's one of the true ones or not, I don't know if you can trust any poll. I'm saying all of this, you know, I only trust God's word. Let God be true and every man a liar. But anyway, they did a poll and they found out that one-third of Americans are willing and ready and anxious to go to war with Russia, even if it means nuclear war. One-third of Americans. 35% of Democrats, 36% of Republicans. And when you read that, you think, are they absolutely insane? Do you know what nuclear war means? Do you have any idea what you're rooting for? Bomb, I read, were bomb shelters. They're probably making a killing this day. If you had gone in the business of bomb shelter building, you would be in good shape. I saw there's a, no, I didn't go there. I didn't go there. I'm not going to go there. I don't want to know what they got to tell me. But there's a, a website you can go to that'll calculate how much nuclear, you know, fallout you will get in case of a nuclear explosion in certain cities of the nation. You can go there. You can find it all out. 
Many people believe that World War III, and I'm one of them, has already begun. We've been under a biological attack. There have been a couple different views of that and, and angles of this attack. We've definitely been under psychological warfare. I'm going to share something later about that that is stunning. I know that our military is being weakened, purged. They don't talk a lot about it. But you hear bits and pieces. You hear from some of the military personnel. And so I think it's been going on for decades. And we're in the middle of a a stepped-up version right now. Now I want to just say, having said that, because I don't, I want to, Lord, I just want to preach your word. I do not believe that God's highest and best is that we have nuclear war. I just don't believe it's the best. I do not believe it. But you and I have something to say about it. We have to know who we are. We have to be the people of God. We have to be the salt of the earth. And I believe that many of God's people are rising up. Now, there are a lot of things going on in, the U- in Ukraine that it doesn't meet the eye. Does it make sense? But I want to encourage you, and I had Laura set up some copies if, when you go out today. I read a word yesterday that, from Mario Morello. You know, I've mentioned Mario from time to time. He's one of my heroes. I like Mario. He's, you know, preaches the word, the cross, the blood. Anyway, he wrote an amazing article on the Ukrainian war. And I've made some copies as you go out, one per family. And I just think it makes a lot of sense. We need understanding. I mean, if you know, we need understanding. And Mario's one of the ones that, that I've trusted over the years. He's not just parroting what others are saying, but he's hearing what God is saying. Now, what does the Bible say about war? That's the subject. Gee, thanks. I'm so glad we came to the gathering today. But anyway, you want to hear the truth. You want to have a foundation. You want to be rooted and grounded in this hour so you will not be shaken. You know, the sons of Issachar not only need to know what not to do or what to do, they need to know what not to do. That's what I mean. You know, the sons of Issachar, they had understanding so that they would know what Israel ought to do. Or the church, in that regard, I think it means all of us. Because whatever was written beforehand, we can learn from the, the, what Israel went through in this hour. And it all makes a great, grand picture that somehow will unfold. And I'm glad he's God, and I'm not. How I many of you know that? But at the same time, the sons of Issachar, they, they not only knew what to do, you've got to know what not to do. So we need to be paying attention to the Word of God. So first of all, in Matthew 24, verse six through, 4 through 6, just a review. We've talked about this lately. What did Jesus say about war? Remember when his disciples asked him, what will be the sign of your coming and the, and the sign of the end of the age? The first thing, we always we need to remind ourselves over and over, because we are in this, there are many types of war going on. But what's the first thing Jesus said? Take heed that what? No one deceive you. Don't, is it possible that even the righteous could be deceived? Can I tell you, many are in this hour. Many are not walking. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. 
And it's not what men are telling us, it's what God has said and what God is saying. Man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So there's going to be deception, but then in that context, and we won't go all through it, because it seems like we've been in Matthew 24 a whole lot. I mean a lot. But there may be a reason why we've been in Matthew 24. But just in particular, he said, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And just, you know, we all see through a glass dimly. I've always looked at that verse, nation and kingdom, as there are literal wars and spiritual wars. The greater are the spiritual, and we will come to that. But what did Jesus say about it? He said there will be. But first of all, he said, see that you're not troubled. See that you're not troubled. Number two, all these things must come to pass. They must. They must. Number three, he said, the end is not yet. And many people, and they probably always have, they thought they were living in the time of the end. Do you think they lived, they thought they were living in the time of the end during Hitler, and during the Holocaust? It wasn't the time of the end for multitudes. The Jews, how many? They faced their Holocaust. It was the end. But in these battles that God is speaking of, it's not the end. What is, what is the one thing we know will happen at the end of the age? Nothing is going to stop it. It's happening right now. The gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. Now, if God is using us to reach out and to cast the net to the whole nation of Uganda, which is incredible to me, it's still it's mind-boggling, don't you think God's using others to cast nets to other nations? God is fulfilling His Word. We just do our part. And, uh, but Jesus said that these things are going to be. You be about what I've called you to do. Be doers of the Word, right? Now, let's just, here's about, I don't know, 12 or 13 things. I'm just going to touch on some things. But number one, Jesus openly spoke concerning war. Because I could hear some people, well, I don't know about you guys, but there's some people that would say, why don't you preach what Jesus said? Okay? Let's go to Luke chapter 14 and verse 31. So Jesus, this is a parable, but he says, verse 31 or what king going to make war against another king? Now that's an example of war. What king going to make war against another king? Does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. In other words, you need to look. You have to take an inventory. Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. And so you need to take an inventory. You need to know, do you have enough to finish what you start? This would be wise counsel to our leaders and congressmen and senators that are calling for war. You need to sit down first and see if you have enough to back up what you're speaking and what you desire to come to pass. To me, it's absolute lunacy when people calling for something such as nuclear war. But then people are going to be absolutely out of their minds in this hour. 
And so that's why we have to have the mind of Christ. You don't, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but love and power and what? A sound mind. We're not going to, listen, if you pay attention to what they tell you, your mind is going to be going like this. But if you listen to what God has said and what he's saying, then you can be of a sound mind, right? Say, I'm going to have a sound mind. But anyway, you need to take inventory. Now, he goes on to really what this is all about, the context, is make sure you have enough if you're going to surrender to Jesus because he will demand your all to follow him. We don't want to make the gospel easy. We want to tell the truth. If you choose to follow him, it will cost you everything. The cross means you take up your cross and you follow him. Anyway, that's the context. And then secondly, and I won't read all this, I'll just remind us, but in Ecclesiastes, we see that there are purposes for war. There is a purpose in war. Remember how that scripture, for every season and purpose, you know, under the sun and all, it doesn't say under the sun there, but there's a purpose and a season. And it's for all. And there's, you know, a time to live and a time to die, a time to gather, a time to throw away plant, sow, all these things, reap. But then he says there'll be a time of war and a time of peace. Now there have been, there, you know, you read the Bible and there are many wars in the Bible. I mean, if you know that. All through from the beginning to the end. Now how does this fit with what Jesus said? He said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of God. Well, the scripture, Psalm 120 It says, I am for peace, but they are for war. In other words, we're always for peace. But sometimes you got to go to war to preserve those who threaten the peace against those whom God has made you responsible for. Did you hear me? If a husband that would allow someone to come in and rape his wife, murder his wife... That husband's up to no good. He's not even a husband in my book. What would you do? You would fight to preserve your wife. Would you not? Your children. And there comes a time. I want to show you. Look over in Hebrews chapter. Because a lot of people, these are questions. I don't know. Maybe nobody else has, but I have them. These are things I think about, Lord. And we need to know. So anyway, look in Hebrews chapter 11. It's the great. What is this chapter known for? faith and he talks about verse 32 and what more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah David Samuel and the prophets verse 33 who through faith subdued kingdoms what does it mean to subdue conquer they conquered kingdoms through what through their faith But this was where faith without works would have been considered dead. They had works. They trained their army and they rose up. And then it says they worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. And we've heard some testimonies of believers escaping. They became valiant in battle. 
How many of you know what that means, valiant in battle? In many versions, it means to be mighty in war. They were mighty in war. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And then women received their dead, raised to life again, and on and on others were tortured. Very famous portion of Scripture. The torturing part, nobody hardly ever reads. But it's all part of the faith chapter. They were sawn in two and all these things. But they were mighty in war. And the Bible refers to those, we are for peace, but you're for war. But if they go to war, then they're mighty. And there's faith involved in it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Does does that make sense? Because there are a lot of passive people, passivity. Well, you need, the only source I know is the Word of God. Okay, the next thing, number three, the, the greatest attribute of God is God is love. I mean, that's it. We're good. That is our message. Our national anthem. To me, because of my background, and your background and others, you know, I don't know you, maybe all of you guys didn't come out of the Baptist roots, but some of you came out of heathen roots. You know, I don't know what kind of roots. Some of you don't even know how you got out of that mess you were in. But by the grace of God, right? He dug you out of the pit. Thank God for that. But anyway, the national anthem for me is like John 3.16 because that's the main verse we always were taught. For God so loved the world. And that is going to be our message from now until Jesus comes. That's the heartbeat. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Whoever believes, whoever can be saved, you can have eternal life. Anyway, that's going to be our message. But God is love, but He also, in Exodus 15.3, is a man of war. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. Isaiah 42.13, The Lord also shall go forth like a mighty man, and He shall stir up His zeal like a man of war, and He shall prevail against His enemies. How many of you know God will prevail against his enemies? And then we always sing and we read Psalm 24. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, what? Mighty in battle. You know, now I know we already talked about this, but there's the the year of acceptance, the year of jubilee, but there's also a day of vengeance. It's going to be a day of vengeance. Thank God for the year of the Lord, the acceptable year. And then the next thing is, and this is what I, I feel like is to be a major part of our prayer and intercession, is that God is the one who can bring wars to an end. As His people call on Him, and as they walk in the authority, and they had the promise. Because I do not believe, maybe there will be a day, we'll talk about that. But it's this, that day. The enemy's always trying to rush. He knows he has a short time, and I know he has great wrath. And I know there will be a releasing of that to a degree, but what if it's not the time? My own thought is that God wants to rise up. And here's the Scripture. Psalm 46, 8 through 9. Come behold the works of the Lord. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. 
He is the one that breaks the bow and cuts the spear and burns the chariots with what? With fire. God can do it. We've heard stories of that. And uh, I believe this should be our prayer. God, you're the one that can come and break the bow in two and spoil the plans of the enemy. Now before we leave Psalm 46, it says one of the names of the Lord. We need to know one of his names. He is the Lord of hosts. Say the Lord of hosts. And that's the Lord of what? Heaven's armies, right? Verse 6, the nations raged of Psalm 46. The kingdoms moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. We ought to be seeing pockets of the earth literally melt. I mean the flesh, men's works melting at the word of the Lord. It says the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Do you remember when David standing before Goliath, he looked at Goliath, he said, you come to me with a spear and sword. I bet the spear and sword looked pretty mean. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of heaven's armies. Who won that battle? David. Goliath had not a chance. And then there are wars all through history. And they're all, they're all in the Bible. And they're going to mark the end of the age in which you and I just happen to show up in. But I don't think we just happen to show up. It's been ordained that you and I live in this hour. How many of you literally believe we're living at the end of the age most of us do and even if we're wrong don't you think he would forgive us I read even in the New Testament believers they believed the coming of the Lord was at hand and that was how they lived their lives there was an urgency about the moment they knew that life was not there was no eternity in this life they knew they were eternal beings And they put their trust in the one who said they would live forever. But you know the scripture over in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Now we don't have to read the rest of that. You know the dragon, Michael and their angels, they fought. The great dragon, the serpent of old, was cast to the earth. If there was a war in heaven, how many of you think there could be war in this hour? Is the United States heaven? Not even close. Now there are people that are living and it's our role to bring as much of heaven to the earth. And that's let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But if there was war in heaven, there could certainly be war on the earth. And then you know we won't read all of that because I think a lot of these scriptures we've looked at before but But you know, that verse 10 out of Revelation 12, this should really encourage us. In the midst of the war, there's a loud voice that says, it's probably a loud voice to to remind us. Now, say now. Salvation, say has come. Strength has come. And the kingdom of our God have come. And the power of his Christ have come. All these things, now you could preach out of all of that. In other words, there's a whole lot more for you than those who are lined up against you. And then there's an aspect of war that is the judgment of God. The judgment because of sin. We have to understand this. We can't let people forget about this. 
I understand much of the church in America doesn't want to go there. We have no choice but to go there if we're going to be obedient sons. You have to preach. Listen, the whole counsel of God's Word is not just including the gifts. It's including all of the Word. The goodness of God and the severity of God. The judgments of God. My people will know the judgments of God. That Many of them don't. And they're going, to be, they're going to be caught off guard. They'll even blame God for what's happening. But Isaiah 5, chapter 5, verse 26. God will lift up... Now listen to this. He will lift up a banner to the nations and whistle to them. How many of you know God can whistle? He will whistle to them from the end of the earth and surely they will come with speed swiftly. Now that's the speed... That's speaking of judgment. God will whistle to the nations. They've been preparing their armies. And he'll whistle. Come this way. Come this way. Because these people have rejected me. And those who forget God. He said I will turn into hell the nations that forget their God. That's what it says. That's why we're not going to forget him. But that's what the scripture. I know there's some of those verses people would rather leave out. But go in Exodus. I'm sorry, Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Anybody still here? There's some good parts too, so hang on. All of it's good. If you know the end of the story, that's how you make it. I've heard people say, well, I don't want to read the book of Revelation. Yeah, but read it all. You'll find out we win. You should read the whole book. Anyway, there's a lot of, a lot of things out there that have to do with religion. They have nothing to do with, with God's truth. But look in verse 12 of Ezekiel chapter 14. Now look at this. This is a word. How do I know that? Because it says, the word of the Lord came again to me. Saying, son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it, and I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine upon it, and cut off man and beast from it. And if God was to sin famine and cut off the supply of bread. How many of you know man and beast would also be cut off from it? And even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, because I've heard people say, well, there are at least 10 righteous, 20 righteous, whatever. Even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they empty it and make it so desolate that no man may pass through it because of the beast, even though these three men were in it as I lived, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters. Only they would be delivered and the land would be desolate. Or if I bring a sword, now who's bringing the sword? If I bring a sword on that land and say, sword, go through the land. 
And I cut off man and beast from it. Even though these three men were in it, as I lived, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but only they themselves would be delivered. Or if I send pestilence into that land, pour out my fury and cut off man. Verse 20, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, says the Lord, they would neither deliver themselves or deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver only themselves. For thus says the Lord, how much more it shall be when I send my four severe judgments on Jerusalem. And then he lists the, the judgments. Sword. What is, what is the sword? War. Famine. Wild beast. And pestilence. Yet behold, there shall be left in it a remnant who will be brought out, both sons and daughters. Surely they will come out to you, and you will see their ways and their doings. And then you will be comforted concerning the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem, that I have brought upon it. And they will comfort you when you see their ways and their doings, the remnant, and you shall know that I have done nothing without cause. How many of you think God does things flippantly? No. He does nothing without cause. And that's why, you know, one of the greatest judgments in this hour will be upon the watchman. When they see the war coming, the sword coming, if they do not warn the people so that they would repent, do you know what that means to the watchman? That means the blood of all of those who died will be on their hands. There are a lot of churches in America, I'm just telling you, there will be a lot of blood upon their hands because they did not preach the whole counsel of God's Word. They would rather have drawn crowds than have the place crowded with the presence of God. And I'd rather have the place crowded with the presence of God. And then in Revelation 13, there are going to be battles, wars in the last days. And it's just going to happen. You know, I'm not going to go into detail because we've touched a little bit. But you guys, this is Revelation chapter 13. We're either going to be at war with the beast system. Or we're going to be a worshiper of the beast system. No, nobody said amen. There was a one, one. That's right. We, I'm just telling you. We'll either be at war with the beast system. Why do you think it's getting hot around here? There's a heat. There's an intensity. We're going to be at war. Or we will be a worshiper. Does anybody know any middle ground? Is there a third category? I'm talking about revelation when it all is said and done. Either you're for me or you're against me. That's it. So you're going to have to draw the line. If Baal is God, now we've, we talk about that all the time, but you know, I saw where, oh, you know, anyway, the leader calling on speaking to the Congress about establishing this new order, this new military might that will respond in 24 hours. You know what I hear in the background? Who is able to make war with the beast? 
the beast is forming, the system. Now, I really appreciated Stephen's word. He said what I say. But I want to say what Stephen said, because what he said is in the Scripture. That the Bible says that Jesus said, I will give authority to the beast and to the Antichrist over the saints for a time. But you remember how Stephen responded. I hadn't thought about that second part. I knew about this part. Because it's one of my big questions before the Lord. But I, I think he's filling in the gap. He's helping us to know. But, here's, but this really helped. Stephen said, although the Lord said, I will give authority to the beast or to the Antichrist over you. He did not say, I would take power from you, the saint. In other words, even when he has this temporary time of authority and power, you and I are still going to be walking in the power of God. The power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Setting captives free, proclaiming the gospel. Even if it's like Annie's mom and dad, who behind bars began to preach the gospel and the guards got saved. And they released them. Wherever the setting let God choose the setting. And then the next thing is we're equipped. We've been called and equipped for the real war. Say the real war. Because all these natural wars, they're just examples of the spiritual conflict. Has anybody been in any wars in the last 24 hours? I mean spiritually speaking. Anybody? Just nobody? I have. Now, I'm going to tell you one thing I saw. I, I think it was somewhere around the time when, when Jill was prophesying. But I was thinking about how many in this place had been in battles. And what I saw was a pop gun. And you know in those days, the, the cork would only go so far. And so your buddy would come up, I'm going to shoot you. And the, the cork would just go so far and come back. And I felt like the Lord, he wanted you to know that the enemy, he may have a gun, but he has a pop gun when it's concerning you. And, and not everything he has planned, and not even, listen, your God is your shield, your protector. That has to be frustrating, trying to shoot off, pick off the saints, and the stupid court bounces back at you. That's what I saw. Now, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God. Say mighty in God. And we know for the pulling down of strongholds. So that just tells us we're in a war. We have weapons. Thank God for the weapons. You've got to use the weapons. They're not made by man. They're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. We, we must be. There's an anointing on this church to pull down the strongholds of the enemy. The enemy will not prevail as long as the Davids are standing confronting the Goliaths of this hour. And then the next thing. Because I should probably say what Jesus said too in the last point. Behold, I give you authority to trample on scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. The next is the battle for the mind. How many of you know there's a battle Always in the mind. That's why you take your thoughts, what? Captive to the obedience of Christ. I saw a program this week. And I listened to this, these guys. And they were talking about 
the nature of propaganda. Now, I can imagine whoever is in authority is not going to appreciate me saying this. But anyway, this, I just thought, Lord, if I find this out, others need to find it out. And the, he said they were, and this is those who've studied propaganda. Would any of you think that there has been any propaganda going on in America? Just, I mean, just maybe, even just, okay. He said there are three types. Number one is white propaganda. And that's produced from a government or an organization, and they take credit for it. And they, it's a lie. You know it's a lie, but they speak it as if it's the truth. And they don't back down. They reinforce the lie with another lie. And then they reinforce the second lie by the third lie. And what does that do to the people? It sows seeds of confusion. And they start believing what was a lie is the truth. And then the second, now this is wild. I'm glad somebody defined it. They must have wrote a book. The gray, gray propaganda, it's defined as material distributed by some, quote, unidentified source. You ever heard that? According to an unidentified source, and your mind says, well, who was that source? Now, I know the greatest source. It's that, what source are you quoting from? And they never identify the source. Even when it comes out that what they said was a literal lie, they still don't tell you who the source was. And then there's black propaganda. That's material that emanates from another source. They don't say say unidentified. They say another is just another. According to this spokesperson, according to the whatever... This is the gospel. No, it's not the gospel. Folks, this is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the truth. And then there's the battle of which some battles of which we're not to enter. Some of you are saying, Lord, let this be the one. If I could choose, because Barbie actually reminded me of this. She was on the call. Her and Dr. Kyle were on the call this week on Thursday. And just reminding, you know, there's some battles, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Lord says you have no need to fight in this battle. You stand. You do certain things. Worship. Judah sometimes goes first. Praise. It's a pretty good principle to me. But you have no need. Stand and see the salvation of God, for the battle belongs to the Lord. But our part is to hear from the Lord which battle What is my part in the battle? How many of you know it's not a good idea to go fighting where you're not anointed to go fight? What was that book, Casualties, Needless Casualties of War? We referred to it. And uh, I guarantee you these guys training in intercession, the warriors, they know that. For example, you know, you just don't go bind up the principality over over the whole earth you know, you might not want to do that. In other words, really the greatest battle is when we fight on our knees. And God will not release the kraken. He'll release the armies of heaven. Some of you didn't get that. I just remember somebody saying that. And I thought, wow, there's a real kraken? No, he was fake, obviously. 
It was a lot that was a fake. But I know what's real. And then the Bible speaks about the final battle, and we talked about this just a little last week, Armageddon. It's interesting, Joel chapter 3 talks about the Valley of Jehoshaphat because that's where the place, the armies surrounding, oh man, is the place of the last great battle. This coincides with the second coming of Jesus. It's where all the host of hell will be ultimately defeated. And remember we talked about how John wanted the believers, depending on your own viewpoint of all these things, because you have the right to believe a particular viewpoint, but it's where the persecuted church will be encouraged to, to believe that even so come, the Lord will come and he will crush all of your foes. Because your foes are his foes before they're your foes. The battle really is ultimately, even when we're in the midst of the fighting, the Lord is with us. If he's not, we don't want to be there. And then, this is something we need to talk about. Does, does the Bible refer to nuclear war? You know, I don't know, I don't have to read there again, but last week we were talking about Acts chapter 2. And everyone wants to emphasize the last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? That's a good thing to emphasize. Upon all flesh there will be an outpouring of the Spirit, your sons, your daughters, your men, your women, And then the last thing that will come to pass is whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we were talking about there are things that are passing away and there are things that are coming to pass. The outpouring of the Spirit, the glory of the Lord covering the earth is coming to pass. And the salvation, a great harvest of souls. And the harvest at the end of the age of the both good and evil. But also in the midst of Acts chapter 2, we read this that hardly anybody reads. It says, and I will show wonders in heaven, above and signs in the earth beneath, fire, blood and fire, and vapor of smoke. Now you're saying, do you mean that speaks of nuclear war? I'll let God define it. But listen to this, Zechariah chapter 14 verse 12. It speaks about a great panic coming from the Lord. Do you think the Lord, when he comes in judgment, might cause some to panic? There'll be some that'll say, they'll run to the hills saying, rocks, fall on us. Hide us from the wrath of Almighty God. That means, but they'll have nowhere to hide. But this is what that says. It says, they will, there'll be a great panic from the Lord while their flesh will dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes will dissolve in their sockets and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. Now you're saying, are you sure? Are you certain? Well, all I know, when nuclear war happens, it's the end of life as we know it. And there are people calling for nuclear war. One third of your brothers and sisters. And it's because of the propaganda They've been told you must hate, you must hate, you must hate so-and-so. And if you even think about saying, yeah, but, they'll come after you. It's, it's an agenda. Remember, whenever the enemy threatens you to be silent, that means there's something the enemy doesn't want you to say. 
And we're not calling anybody a saint. We know there are no saints here. Well, there are saints here, and there are saints. But I mean in the world system. Man's heart is wicked and deceitful. So we're not putting our faith in any man. But God might be up to some things men never thought God could put them up to. I'm just telling you. Anyway, you should read Mario's little article. I think it'll help a little bit. You guys online, you say, I don't get to get Mario's article. Well, you email us and we'll send it to you. I promise you. But then, here's how we wrap it up. The greatest war happening right now. Anybody have any idea where it's happening? Well, yeah, there's a war in the church. Somebody said the church. It's like a civil war. You know, and there's going to be that. What did Bob say? Bob Jones used to say there'll be a war between the, the gray, the blue and the gray. And the gray matter versus the blue. The revelation. There'll be those living out of their head. Out of what they own, their own understanding versus those walking by the revelation. Because they've had a revelation of him. That's true. But there's more than that. Look over in Colossians. And this is where we're going to wrap it up. I'll, I'll read from Ephesians, but Colossians. Chapter 1, verse 19. This is where the greatest war is going on right now, even as we speak. Verse 19 of Colossians chapter 1. He says, For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies, say enemies, enemies alienated from God and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He is reconciled in the body, Jesus, of His flesh through death. To present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. In other words, there's a war going on in the heart of man because every man and woman on the face of the earth is at war with God because of the sin that lives within them. And sin does what? It separates us from a holy God. Look over in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And I'll just read that over in verse 13. Now, the word enmity means hostility. It means discord. It means feud. You're, you're in a feud or you're alienated from God. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, verse 13, you who were once far off, say once. You were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He, Jesus, is our peace who has broken down the middle wall of separation. Jesus went to the cross. He shed his blood, right? To destroy the enmity, to destroy the middle wall so that you and I can have peace with God through his death and through his resurrection. And that's where the greatest war is going on right now on the face of the earth. It's in the heart. How many of you know you're not going to win that war? And you don't want to die. You don't want to leave this world still at war with God. You can have peace with God. And the only way to have peace with God is to go to the cross and receive what He offered, His Son, 
He makes peace through the blood of the cross. Amen? Amen. So that's the message on war. And anyway, you know, I'm not at war with God. How many of you are not at war with God? And the times even when our flesh rises up, there's always some resistance there. Thank God for the conviction. How many of you thank God for the conviction of the Holy Spirit? You know, it's like the Holy Spirit saying, don't go there, don't do that. If you go there, okay, here's how you get out. Confess your sin, you know, repent, therefore confess. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. And so I thank God for the Holy Spirit. But you can go ahead and put in. I, I want to just pray right now for those that are watching online and those that may be in this place and you've never made peace with God. Most of us, that was the message we remember back as kids. It was preached all the time. How do you have make peace with God? And the only way we ever discovered was through the blood of the cross, through putting your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And you, then you turn, you repent. That means you change, and God will help you change. He'll give you the grace, He'll give you the strength, but you must be willing to turn from your own way and turn to He, the one who is the way. Say, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way. And I want to just lead you in a prayer. And people, this is happening all over the earth right now. I'm sure these guys, Richard, Kimberly, and anyone that's involved in ministry, they'll tell you things are happening right now all over the earth. It's an astounding time to be alive. You know, I was thinking about that one aspect of war when it's the Lord's battle. To me, that is where I'm going to lean a little more towards because you know what's at stake, don't you? What would happen if nuclear war all of a sudden occurred? If men get their way. Do you know there are some men that really want nuclear war? A lot of the people that they interviewed in that poll research, they, have, they don't have the foggiest idea what they're even talking about. They don't even know what nuclear war means. But there are literally some that want it. It's because their father is the devil. Satan is the one that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And those who would be killed in nuclear war would be the harvest. Much of the harvest would be lost. That's why we're here, to, to be in the intercession and to be in the fight regardless of how the battles may appear for the sake of the lost because he came that none would perish and that's why he came for you so I want to lead you in a prayer and if you don't have peace with God this is the way you just surrender to him I'm going to lead you but you have to mean it in your heart so just pray and let's all pray this out loud there may be someone in here I'm believing there will be this will be the day of salvation just say dear God I believe in you and I need you. And I acknowledge and confess Jesus as my Lord. I believe he lived, he died, and he rose from the dead. I confess my sin and I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I turn from my way and I 
turn my life over to you. And I choose to follow you from this day forward. I take up my cross and I follow you. Now I thank you, Jesus, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. And I thank you for salvation. And I ask you to fill me now with the Holy Spirit. And fill me with the fire of God. And I thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name. Now I'm going to just pray. You connect with us if you prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer in this room, anybody prayed that prayer maybe for the first time in this room, you know, we're getting ready because they're going to come. I'm just believing. A little more fire and they will come. You think about this. If God is a consuming fire, and He is, if you're already on fire, it's not going to have much of an effect on you, but only rev you up a notch or two, right? So how will you overcome the fire? God says, I'm a fire. The sword and fire will be made known. But the hand of the Lord will be known to His servants, the saints. So just be on fire. Be on fire. Be part of the fire. Let that fire overtake the earth so the other fire has no place. Amen. Sounds good to me. I want you to know we love you guys. But how many of you have been in a battle? I want you to stand. We're going to pray. Heaven will come and invade. And we're going to break off whatever the ground the enemies has over you. The battles in your mind. May you say yeah, you've been in a battle of the mind, you know, but we're going to break that. How do you know we have authority here? We have authority. There's power. There's fire. Listen, what happened here last Sunday was not just a passing word. It was the word of the Lord. What happened here? I'm telling you, these words are the words of God. Stephen challenged us. Don't doubt any longer what God speaks. That's how you enter into the promises. You believe what God has said. Nothing will talk you out of it. But I want to pray. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, I pray and break off every work of the adversary, every mental assault, every lie, every opinion that is contrary to the knowledge of God. I break off right now all white, red, blue, pink, brown, Lord, whatever the colors were. I don't remember. Gray, God, I break off all the power of the propaganda that's been sown from the news that comes from the news of man. I thank you, God, the world is passing away and the lust thereof. But the will of God, those who do the will of God, abide forever. And I break off the lies. God, we pray for our nation. We stand in the gap. And we pray, God, that there will be a cracking in the, in the foundation of lies that have been sown even for decades. God, through the, the media, through, Lord, even pulpits that have sown inaccuracies, untruths, false religion, false mindsets, unholy alliance, we break now in the name of Jesus. We sever. We take the sword of the Lord and we break lies and judgments and untruths that have led the people astray. And God, we pray for the truth to prevail, the truth to rise up, 
and a trumpet of truth would be blown across America again and the nations of the earth. Lord, we pray. Lord, we know it's a spiritual, con- it's a spiritual battle. God, we pray now that the grip where the enemies blinded, our sons, our daughters, the generations, God, university students, Lord, we pray right now that that would be pulled out of their mind and there'll be an open door for truth. God, we ask you to restore hunger again in America to know the truth. And we pray for champions of truth. Lord, I thank you for those that will go forth in their prime. Everyone that goes being sent by the Lord, they will be in their prime. And it'll be good news. And I thank you, the greater news is greater than the bad. And we give you glory and we give you honor. Lord, we pray you're the one that causes wars to cease. Lord, we ask you, God, silence those that are calling for nuclear war. We ask you to, Lord, numb them, God, that they can no longer speak, but raise up peacemakers, God. And those that have answers, those that have truth in the midst of men's conflicts. And Lord, we ask you to raise up a great mighty army, and we thank you, you are. You are. You are. And I just ask you to encourage the people. Lord, just give them fresh joy, fresh hope, just a fresh sense of the presence and peace of God on their lives, those here and those online. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. And Jesus said, Amen. 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 God bless you guys.